Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Experiencing the loss of a baby is an experience that no parent wishes to endure. However, it is far more common than most parents realize, yet rarely talked about. Not only does this intense grief manifest itself emotionally, but there truly are physical pains associated with this loss. You can experience a broken heart. This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton, certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of Induce Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, please be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes, so you'll automatically get new episodes when they're released. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with Newbies. All right. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we believe that Newbies is your show, and we want you to be involved on a regular basis. And there's a couple ways that you can do that. Of course, you can be a parent on our show. That's super easy to do. The best thing to do is head on over to our website at newmommymedia.com. And we've got some banners up on the site that talk about how you can get involved. If you click on that banner, you can fill out an online form so we can get to know you a little bit and reach out to you when we're doing topics we think might interest you. We also have a Facebook group you can join where we post all of our topics and times. And then if that's a little too much for you, if you're like, eh, I don't know if I can get involved with the whole show, we're always asking for input from parents to use in the show via social media. So that Facebook group I was just telling you about, if you're part of that group, even if you don't want to be involved in a whole show, you can still contribute. So we post questions in that group and it's basically the same questions we're going to be talking about on the episodes. And we still want your input. So that's what I would do. Find our Facebook group on Facebook, (laughs) of course. And I think it's under New Mommy Media Experts and Parents, something like that. Maybe it's NMM. I usually do that abbreviation for New Mommy Media. But check us out. Ask to join. I will add you right away and uh, we'll get you involved. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay.
Okay, so before we get started today, I wanted to talk about a news headline that we found, and the headline is, One-third of new mothers struggle to bond with their baby research shows. So there is a charity in the UK. It's called the National Childbirth Trust, or NCT, and they sent out this survey, and they were asking parents, new parents, a bunch of questions, and what they found is a third of new mothers experience difficulty bonding with their baby. And they also found that more than one in 10 new mothers said they were embarrassed to speak to healthcare professionals about baby bonding issues. And I'm, I can't say that I'm really surprised by this article. I think this is one of those taboo things that, you know, you kind of lump it in with postpartum depression and everything that moms feel very insecure talking about because think about the images and everything we see and how happy we're supposed to be after we have a baby. And I think this is just one more of those things to add to the list. Well, you're supposed to feel this way. You know, why aren't you, you know, bonding with your baby? That is your baby. And we put all of this pressure on ourselves. I was really relieved to kind of see the survey come out. So other moms know that this is something that people struggle with. I like the idea of some sort of an anonymous survey. I think moms would probably be a little bit more open, maybe not fully open. I actually think the numbers might be a little bit higher than what this survey suggests. So I just wanted to toss it to you ladies and get your take on this. Our episode today is about bonding with your baby, even when your baby isn't there, right? And so sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, the way we pictured it in our heads. Oh my goodness. I hope the moms listening realize that they are not alone because I would probably even venture to say that that statistic is even higher. I bet even some of the moms taking that survey didn't even want to admit to themselves that perhaps that was their reality because it is far more common than people realize. I liken it to a first date. Like you you go on a date and you, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, I think I like you. I think I'd like to, you know, maybe go on a second date. But are you in love with them immediately? Well, maybe you find them attractive, but truly love? I don't think so. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with some women and when they meet their babies. And you've been working hard. Maybe you had a challenging pregnancy. Maybe you're not expecting the gender that you got. Maybe Maybe you had some difficulty with your birth and you're healing and reeling from that. It's not always this, oh, my baby, and you're just in love. And some women do experience that, but you're not less of a mom if you don't. It's just a different journey for you. And I think so often because that's kind of been portrayed in the media and perhaps that's what your friends are telling you, even though that might not be the case for them, that's what they've identified as what a good mom is. So you're sitting there thinking, I care about this baby. I'm going to feed it and I'm going to take good care of it. But I don't know if I'm having these overwhelming flooding emotions about the baby yet. And that's okay. So I'm really glad you found this article, Sunny. I think a lot of women needed to hear it. And just know those feelings do come. They really do. And a lot of the times that can also be a sign of a postpartum mood disorder is feeling disconnected. Um, so for any partners listening, it would be important for you to note that and just really provide the proper support and maybe find some other avenues for support if it's not improving over time. You know, I remember something that happened to me shortly after my second son was born. I was having this conversation with my mom, and I said, I feel so bad because I can't picture, 
my son in my head. Like I couldn't picture his facial features. You know, babies, a lot of the times when they're really young, they all kind of look alike. You hear that statement. But I really, truly could not think of, you know, if I took a kind of a mental snapshot of what my son looked like, I couldn't think of it in my head. And that was not the case with my first child. And somehow it made me think that I wasn't bonding with my baby enough. And I know that really scared me. And I had some of these same feelings that this article is talking about. Like, what kind of mom am I? I can't even picture, you know, the way my son looks, the snapshot of my son. So uh, anyway, um, Marcella, I'd love to get your take on this. You know, what do you think about this article and the whole idea of moms and, and bonding with their babies? Oh, I think it's really interesting. And can I tell you, as you guys know, I'm, and I hope this is okay to say this, but I am older than you. And all of this stuff, you guys are talking about this like right out front right now. You know, 20 years ago, 23 years ago, I think there was even less of this. But I want to tell you something. It's kind of a silly story, but it popped into my head. So I was ready to give birth to my first child. I was so excited about it. And I had gone to a reunion with my husband and met one of his best friend's wives. And we were talking and she had just given birth to a child. And she she turned to me and she said, you know, don't be surprised if you get these feelings of you just want to, if your baby starts cr crying in the middle of the night, you just want to pick it up and throw it out the window. And I thought, what the heck? She must be the worst mother in the world. Who could even ever think these things, right? And then Fast forward, I have my baby and, I, you know, I, I had had a C-section with my first child. So, you know, I had trouble getting up out of bed and tired. You don't have enough sleep. You've got the hormones going. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give just to have that baby not, you know, not making such a fuss. And, and I felt terrible. And then I remembered, oh my gosh, this friend told me that this could happen. So if you know that that's, you know, a possibility out there and that it can happen, I think that when you do feel that way, you don't feel that there's anything horribly wrong with you. And by the way, that passes. I mean, you might have that feeling, but just the fact that you have it doesn't mean that you aren't going to bond. And I think it's really good to know these things ahead of time. And I, I think that that's not unusual at all for people to feel like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought. And everything isn't just roses and, and rainbows, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just so glad that this information is getting out there. Like as a brand new mom, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have people whispering in my ear saying, listen, this is okay, you know, what you're going through is normal. Like for moms that didn't have that kind of support, that's really rough, you know? And I think, you know, we're expected, you know, the baby to pop out and for us to just be these instant moms, but that doesn't always happen, right? And I think sometimes we just need to cut ourselves some slack. So anyway, we'll go ahead and we'll post the article on our Facebook page, mamas, if you want to check it out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today we are discussing the phenomenon of Takotsubo syndrome and the physical impact of losing a baby. Our expert today is Marcella Johnson, who is the inventor and owner of the Comfort Cup. Thank you for joining us today, Marcella, and welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Marcella, can you explain what Takotsubo syndrome is and why it is referred to as broken heart syndrome? Yeah, absolutely. So Takotsubo syndrome, the medical term for it is stress-induced cardiomyopathy or broken heart syndrome. And they call it broken heart syndrome because there's actually a physical manifestation where your left ventricle will enlarge. And this is brought on by acute grief. The reason that it's called broken heart syndrome is that you actually are feeling the the physical manifestations of your grief coming to life with the pain that you feel in your heart. And that's what happened to me. It's not, I always thought that was an expression, you know, that you have a broken heart. But that comes from many, many years of women feeling physical pain in their heart. In fact, sometimes it's so painful that women feel like they're having a heart attack. And would you like me to tell you where the name Takotsubo comes from and how we yes, got that please. name? Okay, so Takotsubo syndrome, it sounds like it's a foreign language, and in fact it is. It's from Japan, and Takotsubo actually means, Tako means octopus, and Subo means trap. And what happened was back in the 90s, there was a bunch of women that were coming into this hospital, um, older women, and they were complaining of having heart attacks. And when they ran the, the uh, MRIs on them or the, the C-scans, they saw that each one of these women had a shape in her heart that to them was the outline of a very common tool that they use to catch octopus. And so the, the one side of their, the left side of their heart was enlarged and the right side was not. And it kind of looks like a gourd, kind of smaller on one side and larger on the other. And so they have these pots with a small opening and then a big inside. And what happens is they put a little piece of fish into the bottom of the bowl and an octopus smells that fish, goes into the hole, eats the fish, opens up a tentacle, and it can't get out of the small opening. So to them, when they saw this shape, they were like, oh, that looks like the shape of a Takotsubo uh, octopus trap. Then they called it Takotsubo um, syndrome, octopus trap syndrome. And what they found with all these women was what they all had in common was they had all recently lost their spouses and they were all suffering from severe sadness and broken hearts. And that's how they dubbed it broken heart syndrome because it was being brought on by their their sadness of this lost love that they had. And the interesting thing is that Takotsubo syndrome actually mimics a heart attack. And on the EKG and the blood work, if you just ran that, it would show that you, in fact, have had a heart attack. The difference is, is that um, these women didn't have actual heart disease. They didn't have hardening of the arteries. They didn't have the plaque. So what happens is you have this stress that happens to your heart. But unlike somebody who has the disease, they will go into, you know, they couldn't breathe and they, I mean, they can die from that. But somebody who doesn't have the disease, your heart continues to beat, but you're left with, with, with a physical pain, a physical aching. And that's what I got. And how common is this in parents who have experienced the loss of a baby? Well, you know what? There actually isn't a lot of data on this, and it's only actually been given a clinical diagnosis in the last six years. So that, you know, 20%, 30%, that, that remains to be seen. We're still trying to study that. However, whenever I go and speak to groups about loss, I'd say half the women in the room are shaking their heads. They understand what I'm talking about. And um, if you talk to anyone 
who has experienced um, a loss in their life. And this doesn't have to be the loss of a baby. It could be the loss of uh, a parent, a sibling, a dear friend, even a pet. And that is very significant. And and I'd say it happens to half the people. So Marcella, would you mind sharing your personal experience with Takotsubo syndrome? Oh yeah, I'd be happy to tell you about what happened and how I even found out about Takotsubo syndrome. This terminology didn't even even exist 23 years ago when I had my first child. I lost my son, George, 17 years ago. But what happened was when I was six months pregnant, I found out that the baby that I was carrying had a life-limiting disease called osteogenesis imperfecta, and that's a very rare bone dysplasia. And it means that the child cannot live you know, beyond birth because their rib cage has not been growing at a normal rate. There's nothing wrong with their brain or their internal organs, but because the rib cage is not um, as large as it should be, that means that the internal organs, the heart and the lungs do not get a chance to fully develop. So when my child was born and he went to sustain life on his own, his his lungs were not fully developed and therefore he, he couldn't sustain life. So along with the obvious emotional pain of losing a child, when my son passed, I got some surprising physical symptoms. And first of all, my, my arms hurt and I had no idea why. And my heart ached. I mean, I really, I literally had a pain in my chest and I felt like I had an open wound that went in from my front and went out the back. And, you know, when I went to my doctors and said, hey, I'm having these pains in my chest and in my my arms, they didn't really understand. And, and they were great doctors, by the way, but they just didn't understand a lot about what was happening. And they pretty much said to me, well, you know what, you've been through a lot. Your body has gone through a lot. You're going to have a lot of weird aches and pains and they will go away. And so I just trusted that. But what happened was I had this aching in my arms and in my heart. And when um, I had gone down to my son's graveyard, I wanted to go see um, where he was. And I was very, very sad. And I asked my dad to meet me there because I didn't want to be by myself. And my dad had gotten to the gravesite before me. And when he got there, someone had sent a beautiful terracotta pot that was filled with these lovely flowers. And my dad was an artist and he thought this bouquet of flowers in this pot was just absolutely beautiful and I needed to bring it home. And really, I just wanted to stand there and be in my thoughts and I didn't care about this bouquet of flowers or the terracotta pot or anything. But I realized that he wasn't going to be quiet until I took that pot out of his arms. So I was like, okay, dad, give me that pot. The moment that I got that terracotta pot in my arms, immediately that aching in my heart and in my arms went away. I didn't say anything to my dad. Um, and I think I didn't even realize what was happening myself, but I knew right away something has changed and I feel better. Holding on to this weight is giving me comfort and this is very strange. And when I got home, I found myself not wanting to put the pot down. I found myself getting comforted just just holding it. And I thought for sure maybe I'd gone crazy now because, you know, your hormones are going wacko. You've got all kinds of things happening. I was clearly depressed had three other children and I thought, you know what? I can't stay here where I am. I need to get through this grieving process. Uh, I need to fast forward through this. And what I've learned since is that, you know, you cannot fast forward the grieving process, by the way. It's something that only you can go through and it will wait there for you. So I believe that it is best to experience what you're experiencing, feel the feelings that you're having 
and, you know, get support if you can. And the only support that was available back then was very few, and there was very few resources, by the way, were books and pamphlets. And I read every book that I did read or pamphlet that I did read. I read about women, various women who had lost children who were also seeking weighted objects to hold and that they found comfort in that. And I read about a woman who had found a five pound sack of flour and she was carrying that to give her comfort. I read about a woman who'd taken a pillow and she wrapped ropes around it to give it more heft. And then the last thing that I read that just broke my heart and made me feel like something needs to be done was I read about a woman who had had a premature baby and she went to the grocery store and she found a pineapple the exact length and weight of her baby. And she brought it home. She wrapped it in a baby blanket and she would rock that pineapple in her rocking chair to give her comfort. And I thought if anyone, including me, walked in on that woman before I had this experience for me, I would say, uh-oh, that woman has gone crazy and she might need to be certified. You know, she might need to be hospitalized for what's going on with her. But having lost my child myself, I thought, she's not crazy. I know exactly what she's doing. She's just in an incredible amount of pain and she is trying desperately to figure out a way to get herself through this. And she found, and I found, that having a weighted object relieves that pain. Oh my gosh, chills. Literally, as you were telling that story, I got chills up and down my body. Can you believe it? Can you relate to that? Does that make any sense? Or is is it just for somebody who has lost a child themselves? Well, I mean, if you think about if anyone who's, you know, held a baby, you know, and, and been able to bring their baby home, it just feels so natural a lot of the times to, you know, you want to soothe your baby or, you know, it just feels natural and comforting to both baby and mom to just be near each other. So to not have that, to go home, having had this baby inside you for however long you did and not have that, that's just, it's hard. And you know what you just said about wanting to be near your baby? It was like, I felt a call to go down to um, his grave site. Even though he passed, I just wanted to be close to him. You know, I mean, it's, so that's very interesting that you that you said that. And yeah, and so if you can imagine, that bond is so unbelievably strong. So when it's gone, that void is enormous. It's, it's a huge chasm. And one of the things too, you guys, that was so difficult for me was leaving the hospital empty-handed. And unfortunately, the hospital that I delivered, and they, the hospitals are much more aware now than they used to be about how to handle a mother who has lost a child. And um, they just didn't have the awareness. But what happened was I got put on an elevator with a mother who had just delivered a beautiful new baby. And she had her lovely child in her arms. She had flowers. She had balloons. And both of us were being pushed by an orderly. You know how your husband goes and gets the car and then you go down with the orderly and they meet you at the, at the, on the sidewalk. So there I was, I'd lost my child. I get in the elevator with her, this beautiful baby. It's just the two of us were going down all these, you know, flights. And, you know, it's just natural to say, oh my gosh, congratulations. What a beautiful baby. And I mean, those feelings were genuine for her, but it just, the contrast of me being empty armed, her with this beautiful baby and all the joy that surrounded that. I mean, I died a thousand deaths just being on the elevator with her. And then when they, these two orderlies pull this out right next to each other, her husband pulls in with his car right in front 
of me and then my husband pulls in behind her. The husband, her husband gets out of the car, takes the baby seat and I see her put the baby into the car and all of that. And, you know, my husband pulls up, there's no, there's no car seat, there's no baby seat, there's no, you know, baby to put in. I mean, the contrast was just, just heartbreaking. And I thought, you know what? I, I want to make sure that no woman would ever leave the hospital empty-handed after that loss. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That really touched my heart. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably going to feel very comforted hearing that they're not alone. Um, so when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about Takotsubo syndrome and resources for parents who are grieving and how you came up with the idea for the Comfort Cub. We'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to the show. We're continuing our discussion with Marcella Johnson. Marcella, can you please share with us about the Comfort Cub and how you came up with the idea? All right. So after I lost my son, I was in my living room and people had sent, or when they came to the service, they all brought a stuffed animal to donate to Children's Hospital in my son's name. So I was sitting there thinking, okay, if this is happening to me and this is happening to all these other women and we're finding that holding something weighted gives you relief, well, then someone out there should create something that's weighted that's given to these women. And you certainly can't give them a terracotta pot. I mean, that's kooky. And a pineapple would be even crazier. So what could we give these women that also, I was also thinking that nobody else would really know its therapeutic value. A woman could have this in her home and someone could walk right past it. But for that woman, when she's alone and she needs something to hold on to, that she would be able to pick it up and it would give her comfort in the privacy of her own home. And I looked over and I saw that big pile of stuffed animals and there were all kinds. There was, you know, teddy bears and piggies and, and giraffes and puppy dogs. I mean, you know, there's a variety of plush animals out there. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. Somebody should create a weighted therapeutic teddy bear. And then at that moment, I felt inspired to do that. I, I, I just almost felt a calling to try to help other women. And so this was back in the height of the Beanie Babies. Um, do you guys remember Beanie Babies and how, how that was such a big craze a while back? <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, okay, okay, good. <laughs> okay, so I thought in my head, I was like, okay, well, how about like an oversized Beanie Baby? So I went down to the, the precursor of Build-A-Bear Workshop, which was a place called the Basic Brown Bear Factory. And I went in there and I got this wonderful manager, this this young man who I told my story to, and he was touched by that. And he said, Marcella, I'd really like to help you. Why don't you come after hours? I want you to go to the store and I want you to get like 10 to 15 pounds of split peas. That's what we'll use to give the teddy bear heft. And I was like, split peas? Well, okay. So I went to the store and I cleaned out the shelf of all their split peas. I went and met him after the hours and we made about four or five different versions of teddy bears with all different weights. We made them with a little bit of weight, a lot of weight, middle weight. So we started off, by the way, with the weight of my son, George, which was six pounds, four ounces. And we filled a teddy bear with six pounds, four ounces of split peas and stuffing. But when I held that in my arms, 
it felt like 12 or 13 pounds. It was just very awkward. And so we fiddled around with all these different weights and we came up with a weight that we felt that felt like it was about five or six pounds, the weight of, of an infant. And we put the weight towards the bottom of the teddy bear so that when, then when you held it, it would feel like holding a baby. Because you know how when you hold a baby, the weight of the baby falls into the bottom and you kind of, that's how you cradle it. You put your hand under their bottom and you hold their back, right? So the teddy bear is meant to feel like it weighs about five or six pounds. And what was the feedback you got when you first started rolling out these teddy bears and, you know, giving them to parents that really needed that? What was the feedback that you received? Well, at first, nothing like this had ever existed before in the world prior to this. And so I really thought that I was going to be met with, okay, that's a really crazy, weird idea. Why would you ever want to give anyone a teddy bear after they lost a child? Do you, do you think this, my fear was the criticism would be that, do you really think a teddy bear can replace a child? And luckily that wasn't, that wasn't the feedback that I got. Um, the professionals, I went to the hospitals and I spoke to the doctors and nurses and they all thought it was a really great idea. And so they asked me to make more. And so I, at first I was making these teddy bears by hand. I was stuffing them myself. And then the demand just got greater and greater. So I had to bring in all my girlfriends and we all had to, um, you know, do an assembly line and we all, you know, stuffed it with the batting for uh, a stuffed animal. And then you put in the, the weighted split peas and then we'd sew it up and we'd put a bow on it. And I hand wrote every note that went along with that. So when they were being given to these women who lost a child, they loved them. I think the fact that it was coming from one mother to the next is what made it so special that it was from someone who had walked in their, their, the shoes that they had walked in. And it wasn't coming from a professional or uh, an expert per se. It was coming from a real life person who had suffered this themselves and that this was something that found them, found it to be comforting. And so I think that was the, the greatest thing was that it was coming from somebody who had lived through this. And also it gave them hope that there is hope at the end of this tunnel, that there is somebody on the other side who has gone through this, is still alive, is still here, is still capable of reaching back and helping the next woman who's going to come along the trail behind her. And so it was very well received. And the number one feedback that we get from people is that it helps them to sleep at night. When you're going through a very difficult time, and especially, I mean, I don't know if you, if you guys experienced this, but one of the things I loved was um, I always had the a little cradle right by my bed. And when the baby would wake up in the middle of the night, I would just pick the baby up and put the baby in bed with me and nurse the baby in bed. And there's something that is so incredibly special about having that little one right ne next to you, right up against your chest. And it's just so comforting and it's such a loving experience. Well, when that baby's gone, that need to bond is still there. And there's something about having that weight in your arms that helps you rest at night and to feel comforted. And I can tell you the science about that too, if you'd like. Yes, please. Okay. So it's not that it's just cute and cuddly. There's actually science behind why the Comfort Cub helps. And actually, I worked with San Diego Hospice and we actually did a preliminary clinical study that showed that 
the comfort cup was proven to help reduce the manifestations of grief for mothers who lose an infant. And why that is, is that it's actually something happens in your brain whenever you hold something that's weighted. And so that's why for me, the terracotta pot was comforting. That's why the pineapple was comforting comforting for that woman. And for me, I think there's something about their circumference too. It's something, I mean, it mimics the weight of a baby. So in a, in a way, your mind, there's a void and there, this is something that comes in and fits that piece that's missing. But what happens when you hold something weighted in your arms, it causes neurotransmitters in your brains to fire off serotonin and dopamine, which are your happy hormones. And what these hormones do actually is they create a feeling of wellness throughout your system. And it causes your heart rate to slow down and it causes your breathing to slow down. And it just gives you an overall feeling of peace and calm. And that is why it brings you comfort. That makes so much sense because the physical act of having gone through birth, whether you had a C-section or a vaginal birth, you still chemically are a mom. You are hormonally a mom. You are biologically a mom. And so I can understand how having that longing, that feeling of, I would almost guess, would be emptiness. Right. That's interesting, Kristen, because remember I, was, I told you about what the broken heart was, that that's called Takotsubo syndrome. And yeah. there's just been a clinical diagnosis, as I said, in the last six years. But there's another phenomenon that, ha- that happens to women who lose a child. Now, this doesn't happen to everyone, but it happens to enough that it has been given a name. It's called empty arm syndrome. And that was when my arms were aching. That is your body literally aching to hold your child. And the interesting thing about this is that I have heard women who lose a child at any age, not just at birth, that they will get that aching in their arms. Isn't that interesting? I just thought that that was so incredible. And I have to tell you that um, when this happened to me 17 years ago, and I had that heart pain and aching in my arms, I literally thought I was going crazy. I really thought like, what is up with me? You know, the doctors are saying, you know, I'm kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of in your head, but I was like, wow, if this is in my head, it, 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 it's really very powerful because I, and I actually called them phantom pains because I thought this must be in my head, you know, but a phantom pain in my heart and a phantom pain in my arms but they weren't phantom. They were really there and they were really happening. And it's so validating. It's validating that it's been proven by science now that there is in fact something happening. But I think sometimes that there's, unfortunately in the medical world, if there hasn't been enough studies or there hasn't been a clinical you know, name that's given to it, that maybe it doesn't exist. But a lot of us know that just because they don't understand it or science doesn't understand it or medicine doesn't understand it doesn't mean it's not happening. And sometimes it takes science. For me, it was like, wow, it was 17 years later, you know, that they came up with this term. But it does happen to women and a lot of people out there don't understand what's happening. But that connection between your mind and your body and your physical being is so much stronger than I think anyone ever realized. Right. And you know, Marcella, I've never lost a child, so I can't fully comprehend, but I keep thinking about the things that we do as moms when our kids aren't even there. Like if we're standing in line and we're rocking back and forth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and our kids right. aren't even with us, right? Yeah. Or the other thing I was thinking about is when 
you know, sometimes I hold my belly when I'm not even pregnant, you know, and it, and I feel like sometimes it's, you know, it's this incredible bond that we have with our children that they don't even need to be there. Yes. And we still have this incredible need to bond with them. And you know what else, speaking of um, bodies and how perfectly designed these bodies are, I was told that actually uh, the woman's anatomy in her arms are different than a man's. Her arms actually bow so that when she brings her arms in, she is more capable of carrying her baby so or her child. I mean, our arms are, are designed to hold a child. So that's amazing. Isn't that interesting? And so when you don't have that child to hold, your body, your body is saying, time to hold the baby, time to hold the baby, and there's no baby to hold. So, you know, that's why people put something in their arms or, you know, just like you were saying, it's like when you rock back and forth or you know, you find yourself maybe holding your purse close to your chest or something like that when your baby's not there. It is. It is very, very instinctual and innate. So, Marcella, we probably have a lot of moms listening right now that are going, wow, you know, I know someone that could really benefit from having a comfort cub or perhaps it's a healthcare worker that says, I'd really like to have this in my hospital. What is the best way for people to get involved? Where can they get a comfort cub and what is the process? Great. The best way to go about getting a comfort Comfort Cub is to go to our website and that's simply thecomfortcub.com and you'll just go on there and you can order a Comfort Cub right off of the website. If you are from a medical facility, you can also order in bulk and there is reduced pricing for medical hospitals. And I wanted to tell you that, first of all, I wish that we could just give these comfort cubs away for free, but we do, we are a not-for-profit organization. And so for every comfort cub that we sell, we put money aside to make sure that there's a fund for women who want the comfort cub. They've lost a child, but they can't afford one. So we want you to know that if this is something that would be helpful to you, but you cannot afford a comfort cub, we don't want you to be turned away. We want to know about you. And what we'd like to do is we'd like to put you on a waiting list. And then as we sell comfort cubs with the money that we make, we just walk through the waiting list and we send people a bear for free. So we're hoping that people will, if they know of someone who has lost a child and you know, this, this show is for mothers who lose an infant, but we've also found that it is very helpful for anyone who has lost a child at any age. And I wanted to share with you, you had asked me earlier how often this happens to people. I don't have a lot of statistics, but I do have a statistic that I think is pretty telling is that 20% of the U.S. population will at some time in their life lose a child. And that is a pretty large amount of people. Now, that doesn't mean at birth, but that's any time between birth and preceding the parent in death. And I think that we can all think about someone that was maybe killed in a car accident or uh, a drug overdose, or there was some way that a child died before the parent passes away. And we have found out that, you know, that, that the comfort cub is also very, very helpful in those situations too. So I just wanted to make sure that your listeners were aware that it's not just for infants, but for anyone who's experienced a loss. So if you reach out and you get a comfort cub for these people, not only are you helping them, but you'll be helping a mother who has lost a child to help get her off our waiting list. Oh, Marcella, thank you so much for doing this. It warms my heart to know there's people out there in the world like you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. For our Newbies Club members, this conversation will continue after the end of the show as Marcella will share other resources she found helpful following the loss of her son. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, it's time for an iTunes review. We love hearing from our listeners, and a great way that you can tell other people about newbies is by rating and reviewing our show in iTunes or really wherever you listen to our show. But iTunes, we know a lot of you are listening through iTunes. So I want to start reading some of these reviews because they're fantastic, and hopefully it'll encourage more of you to leave reviews. So this first review is from, I love this name, Therapist to Moms, (laughs) and he or she, I'm going to say it's a she gave us five stars and this is what she wrote new mommy media and newbies in particular is such a fantastic resource for new moms and dads they think about the topics and questions that all parents have on their mind and they actually have a conversation about it it is so helpful when i can send my clients to listen in on an episode that addresses a theme we are working on in sessions That is so cool. I love to hear how different people are using the show. That's amazing. So if you're listening and you really want to leave us a review, it's real easy to do. If you're on your computer, just find our show, find newbies in iTunes and click on the ratings and reviews section. You can leave a review that way. The process is very similar. If you're right on your app, you can do it either way. And again, it's really helpful. So thanks so much for doing it. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and twin talks for parents and multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, NewMommyMedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's NewMommyMedia.com. See you there.